want to look at a couple things tonight. The world calls the Christmas season. Uh, we would call it the season of the year in which we celebrate the incarnation. Now, uh, you know, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but most likely the Lord Jesus was not born this time of year. Uh, most likely. It's, it's, uh, it's possible, of course, he could have been born any day of the year that he chose to. Uh, but most likely he was not. Now, there's all, only circumstantial evidence for that, uh, but we don't, want to, uh, uh, we don't want to belittle that. What we recognize is, is this time of year the world celebrates Christ, so it gives us an open door, an open door. But what we want to look at uh, together for just a few minutes tonight is, of course, uh, uh, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I'm surprised at is in, in many, many cases, people separate the person of Christ from the Word of God. They separate the person of Christ from the Word of God. Many, many people who celebrate Christmas, and I was one of them, uh, who celebrated the incarnation of Christ. At my house, we had a little crush scene, and we had the wise men there, and we all the animals and the baby Jesus in there. We never, ever opened a Bible in my house, ever. Not once. The Bible was never mentioned, and yet we were celebrating the incarnation. And I suspect we're not alone, that many people celebrate the incarnation of Christ and reject the Word of God. Now, I'm not here to, to argue that point. They're wrong. If you celebrate Christ and don't look at his word, you're fooling around. When people say, well, you know, I don't, I get, I get the Bible when I go to church. I really don't read the Bible at home. You're fooling around. That's all. You, you, you're not serious with the Lord. You're just not. You can't be. And then some people say, well, I don't go to church. I read the Bible at home. They're fooling around. Because you cannot have one with another. They're opposite sides of the same hand. It's front and back, same hand. Why? Because this is his body. This is his body, the church. And he is the word of God. So they all go together. They have to go together. If we have any part of that incomplete, then we do not have the truth of God himself. So I want to look at a few things together, if I can, and show what the Bible says about the written word of God and the living word of God. It's important for us to see that God always incorporates these. They're always synonymous, the written word of God and the living word of God. So let's look at a couple passages. For example, and I won't have you turn there. You know these passages very well. In the beginning <coughs> was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was also in the beginning with God. Now the word there, the logos, the expressed image of God in John chapter 1. And then we have in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So we have the written word of God, the logos, the expressed image of God. And we have that God being the creator of all things right from the beginning. Which we have, of course, uh, recorded from, uh, for us. And all the way through the Bible, you're going to find that the living word of God is always represented by the written word of God, and the two are inseparable. 
if you want to, if I want to see the Lord Jesus Christ, I have to look at him in print. He's in print. He's right before your eyes. Oh, I, I can't wait to see him come down on the Mount of Olives. And what, If you don't see him here, you probably won't see him there. Because they're one and the same. The person of Christ. So let's look at a couple of writers. I think particularly John says some things that I think are very, very interesting. Turn with me to 1 John just for a moment. 1 John. The living word of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the written word of God, John says, are synonymous. 1 John, we're in chapter 1. Synonymous, of course, is equivalent. They're equivalent, completely equivalent. 1 John... 1, and look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, and I'm seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. He was the word of life. Who is it? He's the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. Now, John is, is <coughs> speaking here, and he's, he's combating Gnosticism. Gnosticism uh, believed that uh, flesh was evil. Anything having to do with flesh was evil. So the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, could not have come in the flesh. Why? Because flesh is evil, and that would have made him a sinner. So they believed he was some kind of spirit, some kind of apparition. He was the highest of all apparitions. He was above all the angelic beings, but he was still an apparition or a spirit-type being. He, wasn't, he didn't come in the flesh. And John is saying, no, listen, we saw him <coughs> with our eyes. And, and what John is really implying here in the Greek language is, I can still see him. I, I can still visualize him. Which our eyes have looked upon, which our hands have handled, I touched him. I heard him and his voice is still ringing in my ears. I, I saw him and I can still visualize him. I touched him. I felt him. I know that he, in fact, came in the flesh and that he is the word of life. They're inseparable. The word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ are inseparable. Obviously, he came in the flesh. Obviously, we know that to be true. There's no question about that. But when you start looking at the scriptures, you cannot separate him coming in the flesh with him being revealed before you on the pages of scripture. It's the same person. He gave us the same word, did he not, as he came. He came and gave the word of God using all Old Testament passages, all Old Testament truth, he was leaving the scene, and he said, and I am going to give you all New Testament truth by the Holy Spirit of God. And so he is the living Word of God. He's it. When the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that's none other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in print to us. You cannot separate the two. So there's people out there looking for Jesus, ignoring the Bible. They'll never find him. They'll never find him. Why? Because he's here in print for us to know better. 
for us to grow in, for us to mature in, for us to be secure in. It's all here within the scriptures. Uh, there's a man named Dr. Herbert Lockar. Uh, he's an he's a old-time writer, and he wrote uh, many, many books. I have most of them. I just enjoyed them so much. All the, uh, all the Messianic prophecies of the Bible, all the men of the Bible, all the women of the Bible, all the, uh, all the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, all the miracles of the Bible, so forth. He wrote many books. A wonderful, wonderful writer. He, he said this. He points out that it is impossible to distinguish the written word of God from the living word of God. He said it's impossible to do that. We, when we want to see the Lord Jesus, you and I, I can't wait for him to come so that I might see him. You have to start here. It has to be here. It has to be contained within the pages of scripture. Now he let his disciples know, obviously, <coughs> that he was going to leave the scene. And he said, someone's coming. Turn with me to John chapter 16. You know these passages well. But he said, someone's coming. In John chapter 16. And that person that's coming is the paraclete, the one called alongside to help you, none other than the Holy Spirit. We read that in John chapter 14. Now in chapter 16, <coughs> he tells us in verse uh, 1, I mean verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. They could not handle it. They could not understand it, frankly, because they did not have the permanent indwelling Holy Spirit. They were lacking something. But when that Holy Spirit came, then that new revelation was going to be given to them. But what was it going to be about? Notice in verse 13. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you unto all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Uh, he, he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So whatever the Holy Spirit came, whenever the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, his job was now to point to the written word of God by the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gave the Spirit of God everything that he wanted us to know about him, about a life of godliness, the scriptures tell us. Let's look at what, um, if we can, a couple of passages of Scripture. Uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1. These are, again, passages you're very much aware of. I don't want to uh, belabor this too, too much. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse uh, 21. 2 Peter 1 and in verse 21 talking about the more sure word of prophecy, obviously, in uh, verses 19 through 20. Uh, verse 21, For the prophecy came not at any time by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, carried along by the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So everything that was written was written under the auspices of God the Father, by God the Son, through the Holy Spirit, to let us know what we needed. And it's all scripture. It's God's word. It's God-breathed, all of it. God wants us to know more about him, about his plan and his purpose, about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything testify of him. Now, look at another passage with me, if you could, please. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Paul gives testimony to this through Dr. Luke, of course. Acts chapter 1. Look, if you would, please, at verse 16. Acts chapter... Well, let's pick it up in verse 15. This is the apostle Peter speaking. He said, Judas is dead. And we need to do something about this. Well, where did he get that information? Well, look, if you would, please, at verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number uh, of names being together, about 120. So he had a, a small congregation there. In verse 16, and Peter speaks, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of David, spoke Concerning Judas. Who spoke? David. Well, did David make something up? No, he was guided by the Holy Spirit. His mouth was guided by the Holy Spirit to speak about Judas. The Spirit of God guiding a man of God so that we may have the revealed will of God about the Lord Jesus Christ. One more passage, if we could. Turn with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Again, the, uh, uh, the apostle Paul is speaking here. That was Peter. Now look at Paul in Acts chapter 28. <coughs> look with me, please, at verse 25. Acts 28, 25. Paul, at this time, is still imprisoned in Rome. He shall be set uh, free uh, later on to continue his ministry and then uh, is recalled and killed. But uh, we're in Acts chapter 28. Notice, if you would, please, starting right in verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, this is the Jews. Paul was at, at his own hired home, and he, was, uh, he could accept people in and out of that hired home, apparently, uh, so that he could uh, commune with them there in Rome as he was under a house arrest. Picking up in verse 25, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after Paul had spoken one word, one group of words, we would say. Well spoke the Holy Spirit by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. Isaiah gave prophecy concerning the people of Israel, what was it? The heart of this people has become uh, thick, uh, hardened, if you would. But notice he says, well spoke the Holy Spirit by Isaiah the prophet. Again, the Spirit of God giving us the revealed truth of the Word of God about the person of God and his will for us. And it always, always comes down to our Lord Jesus Christ. So head with me to Isaiah now, Isaiah chapter 9. You know this, again, passage well. You'll receive Christmas cards with this passage on it. I don't think we have yet this year 
but I'm not sure about that. I haven't looked at all the cards we've received as of yet. But <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. This is a well-known passage to all of us. This is what we receive this time of year often on our Christmas cards. But, and it's a beautiful passage, and it does make application to, uh, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. That, of course, is his humanity, is the living uh, uh, word of God. Uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, his deity. Son, whose son? He's the son of God. And the, uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And what shall he be called? Well, he... It, uh, He'll be called, notice, um, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We know that just to be a few names given to our Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? He's the Everlasting Father. That's his omnipresence. He's everywhere. You say, well, there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a triunity, and aren't they all uh, different persons, yeah, but they're one. They're one. That's why the Jews are just, their mind just blew when, when the Lord Jesus said, I and my Father are one. They wanted to kill him right away. You're making yourself out to be God. And they were very, very upset with him, obviously. And then we have, he's the mighty God. What's that? Well, that's his omnipotence, the mighty one, the mighty Jehovah, the mighty Yahweh. And, uh, He's the counselor, that's his <coughs> omniscience, and counseling through his uh, word. So we have the written word of God, the living word of God. They're all combined to be that one person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you read through the New Testament, you and I, of course the Old Testament is all about him and his coming and his work through his nation of Israel, his commands, his laws for the nation of Israel, uh, his, his, his wooing of the nation, his judgment on the nation, back again, back and forth. And then we get into the New Testament, his will for his body, the church. We see the body come together in the book of Acts, and you start in Romans, his will for his body, the church. That, every passage you read in there, that's the Lord Jesus Christ in print letting us know what he wants us to do. How can people avoid the word of God and think they can know the will of God. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. It's one and the same. And so for you and I, let's look at a couple passages together. <coughs> this is the written word of God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. <coughs> Luke chapter 5. The written word of God. In Luke chapter 5, notice... In Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed on him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or, or the Sea of Galilee. The people are pressing on him to, for what? To hear the word of God. They want to hear what God's word has to say through him. Never a man spoke like this. How can this be? 
how could this man know so much having never learned? He was not a rabbinic teacher. How could this happen? Was his not word powerful? Didn't it not cut through us? They all attributed that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? <clears throat> we read the word of God. We read it publicly. We read it privately. We read the word of God. What was it like to hear the word of God from the word of God? Whoa. It must have been incredible. Particularly for those who only heard about him and did not know him. Imagine what that was like. Okay, so we have the written word of God. <clears throat> now let's look at the living word of God. Head with me to uh, Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. You know this very well. But in Revelation chapter 19, let's look right at verse 13 if we could. The people pressed on him to hear the word of God. Revelation 19, 13. This is when Messiah comes back to establish his millennial kingdom. Verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. That goes all the way back to the book of Isaiah 63, talking about Messiah, when Messiah is going to come. Now, why was his vesture, why was his clothing dipped in blood? And by the way, this isn't his blood. <laughs> This is the blood of the armies, according to Zechariah 14, Zechariah 12. This is the blood of the armies he destroys when he comes back to set up his kingdom. Up in the north, up in uh, what we know to be the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, around Jerusalem itself, and down in Basra, down in the south, at the southern tip of the Dead Sea. Uh, this is the one who's coming back. Who is this one? Verse 13, and he, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The people pressed on him to hear the Word. He was the Word. He was the Word. He was giving him his Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the very Word of God. Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. The written word of God. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? This is Paul talking about the sending out of, uh, we would call them missionaries. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Remember, bring the gospel of peace. What is the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the prince of peace, Isaiah 9 tells us, 6. He's the prince of peace. What's the glad tidings of peace in the written word of God? It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Prince of Peace. They're inseparable. They're inseparable. And you, you know this. You could go look after page after page after page in the scriptures. These things were written of me, of, about me. This is my word. This is what I want you to know. You cannot separate the person of the Lord Jesus Christ from the written word of God. They cannot be separated. They will not be separated because they're one and the same. Head with me to the 19th Psalm. Look at this Old Testament passage. 
in the 19th century. Remember, whatever things were written were in early times were written for our learning. We, we learn about our God. We know about our God. The 19th Psalm, look at verses 8 and 9, please. The 19th Psalm, you know this passage. The statutes of the Lord. Let's back up to verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, turning the soul. The, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This isn't simple-minded. This isn't people who can't contemplate. This is someone unlearned, young, uh, or unlearned at all. The, the, the word of the Lord will make them wise as they look at the word of God, the, un, the naive, if we call them that. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. May I remind you of our Lord Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the light. They're all contained right here is the word of God, is it not? They're all contained right here. This person of our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes the simple wise. He's the truth. And notice, what, what, do, the, what do his words do? Enlightening the eyes. He's the light of the world. It's the same a person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the 119th Psalm for a moment. The 119th Psalm. <clears throat> verse 93. The 119th Psalm, the 93rd uh, verse in the Psalm. You know, on Sundays we sing all the verses uh, in, the, in the songs, and, and I love that. It builds up. Story for us is beautiful when we sing all the verses. Can you imagine singing this on Sunday morning? Wouldn't give Pastor Rob any time to even get started, you know, by the time we were done this psalm. But let's look at the 93rd verse of the 119th psalm, please. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast given me life. With thy precepts, thou hast given me life. Don't turn there. But you know, of course, the word of God is living and powerful. By that word, he has given us life when we were what? Dead in our trespasses and sins. It's one and the same. He's the living word of God. So as we're reading through the Bible, what are we doing? We're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in, in print. We're seeing him and what he has uh, for us. Turn, with, turn back with me, please, uh, to John 15. And look at verse 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. All the way back, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Look at verse 3. As the Lord Jesus speaking, of course, to his disciples. And he says this, Now, 
you are clean, how? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. The washing of water by the word of God. They're clean uh, through the word. How, uh, how are we clean, cleansed? I might remind you in 1 John 1, 7, with the precious blood of the Lamb, we were cleansed. They're one and the same. The word which he speaks is none other than himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious blood. Through the word which I have spoken, you are cleansed. How? With the precious blood of the Lamb. They, you, you cannot look at the scriptures. I know I'm repeating myself over and over because I'm trying to kill ten minutes. No. It's, it's because that's what God's word says. It points to him. It continually points to him. And, and I have met people, and I've met people who profess themselves to be Christians. Whether they are or not, I'm not their judge. God is, of course. But they profess to be Christians, and they never get into the Bible. They never get into the Bible. How, how can they know God's purpose? How can they know God's will? How can they have any security? How can they have their feet set on gr solid ground? Say, well, if I can't wait to see Jesus. He, he's right here. He's right here. If you won't look at him here, you're probably not going to see him when he comes. You're probably not. Because if you're not interested in his word, you probably don't belong to him. No, I can't say that. You know, well, who are you to say that? I'm not nobody. But someone who doesn't have an interest in the scriptures, is, is there not something wrong? Well, you say, well, there probably is. Okay. Um, but they might, not be, they might be saved. Okay, I, I'm not arguing with that. I don't know that. But people who are looking for his coming think it's an escape hatch. That's not what the rapture is all about. The, the rapture is not an escape hatch for us. We've been equipped to live here and now without the rapture. We're equipped to live here and now. No matter what comes our way, we've been equipped to live here and now. Would I like to see the translation of the saints? Of course I would. There's no question about that. But if they don't come in our life, if you and I pass on in this life, and never see the rapture of the saints, that doesn't mean that we weren't equipped while we were here. We're perfectly equipped here and now to live for him and to honor him. All you'll do is be changed when that comes. But you're equipped now to live in the body that we have. So let's look at a couple more passages just <coughs> quickly. Turn with me to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Again, we're comparing the written word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3. The written word of God in 2 Timothy 3. <clears throat> and you know this passage, please. <coughs> and look, if you would, 2 Timothy 3. I'm interested in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 3. Paul's telling uh, Timothy, of course, Timothy weakened somewhat in here. Paul uh, really drives that home as you see that. Uh, and I'm not going to throw any stones at Timothy if you ever had times of weakness. If you haven't, um, you're going to. Times of struggle, weakness, spiritually, physically, 
And sometimes the physical brings on the spiritual, and sometimes the spiritual can bring on the physical. It, it happens to us all. But recognize in 2 Timothy 3, uh, we'll pick it up in verse <coughs> 2 Timothy 3. Let's back up uh, to verse 14. But continue thou in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. From Paul, of course, from other teachers as well, but Paul primarily. And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wise unto salvation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, we we'll, won't be coming back here. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I think while I'm saying this, some of you are saying, oh, and I can, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. There's tons of passages that, that give us the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in, uh, in his physical being, and then the Lord Jesus Christ in his written being, if you would, the scriptures, and they're always combining. We're in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice, please, in verse... 30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what did that passage say back in, um, in uh, the book of uh, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15? He, he's able to make you wise unto salvation. He's able to give you strength, he told Timothy. Here in this passage, notice, the Lord Jesus Christ, who God, uh, who, who, let me read that again, verse 30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's the word of God living through the Lord Jesus Christ who we have believed on. It always comes down to that. You say, well, what are you getting at? Well, I want us to get at the point that we need to invest our lives in the word of God. Turn with me to Colossians. And I have a dozen more here we could go through. I'm not going to uh, do that with you. But perhaps you can think of, uh, as, as you think about our Lord Jesus Christ himself and his public earthly ministry, and then you compare it with the apostles said, uh, through the word of God, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ among us. And then he's left us with his revealed truth through his apostles and prophets. And here it is, Christ himself directing us so that when we are reading this, you're reading exactly what he wants you to know. These are his words. They were not Paul's words or Peter's words or James' words. They're his words to us. How can we exist without them as Christians? Well, the truth is you can, but it's a bumpy, bumpy road if you don't invest your life in the Word of God. It's got to be. We're in Colossians. Look at chapter uh, 3 for a moment, please. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Colossians 3 and verse 16. 
let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The term there, richly, is abundantly. It's overflowing. Plusios, uh, to be overflowing. It's just dumping out of you. I think it was uh, the guy that was uh, Dr. Criswell at Dallas, um, First Baptist Church of Dallas. He was a Southern Baptist guy, the head of Southern Baptist Convention for years and years. What a great godly man. Uh, when my wife and I, back quite a number of years ago now, probably 22 years ago, uh, we did a cross-country trip, and I wanted to go to uh, Dallas Seminary. I wanted to go there and just to see Dallas Seminary. It's not what it used to be. But great, great men of God came out of Dallas Seminary. Great men of God. Uh, men whom I just look up to read all their materials. Uh, but we went to Dallas Seminary, and then we went to Dallas, Texas, because Dr. Criswell's church is right downtown Dallas. You have these giant skyscrapers, and there it is, right in the middle of them, First Baptist Church of Dallas. Incredible. And we went in there, and Dr. Criswell right now is spinning in his grave. I don't know if that's actual, but... Uh, what's going on in the place is an abomination. And a, they have an early service that's for traditional. And then they had the later service, contemporary. Oh, Dr. Criswell, probably if, it shows you that you can't come back because if he could come back, he would have choked someone to death for sure. Uh, but recognize uh, what Dr. Uh, Criswell said. What did he say? What was I getting at? Do you know? You said you know what I'm thinking all the time. <laughs> uh, well, let's go on if you can. Oh, I know. Doctor said, uh, Dr. Criswell said about his church. Now, this was back when he started the thing and, and it was flowing. He says, if you cut the people in this church, they'll bleed by them. And truly, that's what we need to do, right? It needs to be in us and overflowing. That it's just coming out of us. And what's that? It's the revealed truth of the word of God. That's what that word means, richly. Just overflowing abundantly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yes? What I said? Oh, Dr. Criswell said, if you cut someone in our church, they'll bleed Bible. And you know, I think, truly, if people listen here, that would be the same thing here, wouldn't it? I, I know some people don't listen. I mean, you're in and out sometimes. I recognize that. And Pastor Rob recognizes that. And you didn't get much sleep last night, so you make up for it in church. But we know that. <laughs> we know that. But the people that are really paying attention to the message each week, you bleed Bible if you go out of this place. Why? Because that's all he teaches is the Bible. And that's what we're supposed to do. Everything else is, is just surface stuff. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell there is an interesting word. It's uh, oikos, and it means to be at home. Uh, we went on a vacation last week, a little vacation with the Clarks. And uh, we had a beautiful room, and it had a big, beautiful bed, and, and we had a beautiful kitchenette, and we had all that stuff. And I really enjoyed it. Very, very much. I got a chance to do a lot of studying, which I just love to do, and it's quiet and everything else. But listen, when we got home, that's where I was. It was at home. 
that place was beautiful, but I was at home, and that was my, and this is, I could feel myself, oh, I'm at home. Well, that's the way the word of God is supposed to be to us. It's just at home in you, just dwelling in you richly, deeply. And what, what happens? Well, uh, that we'll, we'll teach one another and admonish one another. And how does that come out? Well, it comes out with a song in your heart. That doesn't mean you're singing it openly, but that's okay if you do. Uh, but it, it's, it's a song that comes from within. It's the joy of the Lord. It's a song that's from within the heart. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts uh, to the Lord. That's what God wants from us. And honestly, truly, folks, you cannot separate what you think about the Lord Jesus Christ from what he's written. You cannot separate that. It's all one and the same. It's the person of Christ right here. If you want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll only find it here. Nothing else is coming your way. Nothing else. You think, well, that was a great sermon, this guy, whoever it was, Pastor Rob, whoever it might. That was a great sermon that guy taught. That's because he's dwelling in the Word of God. I don't know how many times I've heard people, I've heard them myself, and I tried never to do it, but maybe I've, on occasion, you hear people just story after story after story after story, and at the end of it, they read a Bible verse, or maybe they read it in the beginning, and all the rest was wood, hay, and stubble. Why? Because none of it matters. And the unfortunate thing is some Christians remember more about the stories than they do about the text. We want to make sure that we're looking at the text, the Word of God. Why? Well, turn with me. We're ending right now. Galatians 2. Galatians 2. We're to let the word of God dwell in us richly, be at home and abundantly within us. Why? Why is that? Well, Galatians 2.20 tells us, Paul says, I am, or literally, in Galatians 2.20, literally, I have been. You could write that in your Bible without doing any harm to the text at all. I have been or I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you know what else you could add to that? No, I don't want you adding to the scriptures. These would be my words. By the word of God. That would not do any harm to that text. By the word of God. How do I now live a life that's pleasing to the Lord? It's got to be by the word of God. If you don't, you're not pleasing to the Lord at all. Say, well, I try. It doesn't matter. I do my best. It doesn't matter. I sacrifice. It doesn't matter. You will only please God by being in the word of God. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. Let's pray. Father, I, this was not meant to scold anyone. You know my heart, Lord. It, it's meant just to bring something to light that I have seen over the years that's just a, a drive in my own heart and my own thinking and my own want for people as well. Uh, Father, I recognize that I have my bad days as well.
I have times, Lord, where I'm not what I should be uh, conditionally. But positionally, I know I'm in Christ, and I know it can never get better until I get back into the written, revealed truth. Father, I fear some days we may read the Bible and just it just simply a words on a page. Maybe because of illness, maybe because of medication, uh, maybe because of a spouse. And yet, Lord, we know there are no excuses for us not to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly. Father, help us. Help us to look at the written Word of God that we might see the living Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.